Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and thrilled to have with me today Heather Ferry. And I'm going to do the introduction of author, international speaker, and coach specializing in healing pain. So, welcome, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I, I just told you I was stalking your website. And everyone, if you get a chance, go to Heather's website, and I'll put the link on the video, and we'll share it here on audio as well. But yeah, check out her. I think it's like three minutes and eleven seconds. It's, it's a short little, short little video, but um, powerful. And I told her, I said I smiled through the whole thing because I love her. I love her energy and the joy that she emits. So yeah, be sure to check it out. I love that feedback. Thank you. <laughs> it always feels awkward when you make videos. You know, you never quite know what to say to people, and so right. thanks. Right. I know I've been thinking about doing a Facebook live for the first time, but I keep procrastinating on it because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do the whole live thing. <laughs> oh, I think you can do it. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. Thank you. Okay. I'll be on. I'll be on with you. That's, okay. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, so talk to us about um, you know, the healing work that you're doing and shining that light of hope into the world. Um, well, I wrote a book, as you know. Victim to Victory, uh, Healing Generational Abuse Through the Bloodline. And that took me about seven years to write. I was actually sick for seven years. Uh, chronic pain, uh, cancer, uh, PTSD. And I always tell people that was sort of my education on trauma and pain. And uh, God led through that journey. Uh, I was you know, just told to start writing my story out. And uh, published my book last year with Christian Faith Publishing. And it was daunting and a little scary to put my soul out into the world, uh, especially because I spent most of my life with masks, which I think people can relate to, um, and lies. I mean, not bad lies, but lies of who I was. You know, I came across like everything's fine when internally everything wasn't fine. And... Um, but now it's getting more comfortable to share uh, my story and the book. And, and really that is sort of allowing people to understand how God led me into being a trauma coach, helping heal pain. Um, and I've, I've had a practice for over a decade now. And, uh, and it's very rewarding. I, I, I feel I'm on a mission now that I'm healthy. And I really want to bring these two sciences that do have clinical studies and research um, either to a clinic that I create. It starts in Pittsburgh or, or I partner with people. So I'm in that transition of going from a private practice to how do I, which is wonderful to be on here today, start conversations with people about making this bigger and training more people, getting these sciences more accessible to people that maybe don't research PubMed or don't know anything about me, right? Right, right. yeah. And the first thing that popped in my head was, wow, I so relate. I'm finishing up a book manuscript and I feel like I've been writing it for, well, decades but yes the past three years have just been i keep telling people i even have a facebook page dedicated to it and i keep telling them i promise i promise it's going to be out soon but that it is so hard to put your soul out there and to put your truth out there um and even not so much it's it's a just honoring my own worthiness kind of thing and me 
continuing to heal that part of me. Um, Absolutely. And I tell people I was the same way. I told people for several years, the book's coming, the book's <laughs> coming. And exactly. So I resonate with that. And it, it really, you know, when you're writing a book with the intention of serving and serving because that which what you feel is your purpose here on earth, then it really is a it's a conversation and it's it's an awareness of aligning with the universe. And so I think that the timing was divine for me. There's steps in evolving, you know, and when we speed up that process when we're not ready for it, we just hide, you know, so it, it really does come out when it needs to come out and you grow when you need to grow. So when people come to me and they say, yeah, I'm going to write a book in a month, I'm like, <laughs> is that your ego that wants to write the book in the month or, or what is the book about, you know? And a lot of people, you know, I never, I don't claim to be a writer. Uh, when I started the process seven years ago, my English was horrible. Um, and God led clients would come in that were editors and they would just help me and read it and teach me. And it was all a process. But I, I do believe that following and working with what, what I would call something higher than yourself is the best is the best way to go. Because yeah. when you force things and, and I'm really good, I was really good at that in my book. I talk about that. I'm really good at forcing things and, and then they don't turn out what they what they need to be. I either don't get the lesson, I either cause myself more pain emotionally. Yes. But when I learn to surrender and meditate and breathe and listen and go slower like warrior, then it's it's like, oh, and it's it's been nice because a lot of people who have read it, people who are literal, you know, literature and degrees with, you know, PhDs and blah, blah, they're like, this is a really, you know, well-written book and this has got some meat to it. And, and that makes me feel good because it was hard for me. It wasn't an easy process. Right, right. <laughs> so well, I feel like if I can do it, anyone can really do it. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. And again, I send you kudos for doing it. I think it's amazing. And um, just, I just want to share really quick because I think you, you bringing up faith in the, in, you know, God and universe and just the way listening to that, I had a friend reach out to me and this was years ago. And she said, Hey, your dad, and my dad was passed. Your dad gave me a message that there's a message in the blue book for you. And I was like, a message in the blue book. Well, my dad had hundreds of books and he wrote like on every page of every one of them. And I was wow. like, oh, am I ever going to find the message in the blue book? Well, oh my gosh, how is that going to work? Well, I find, I dug through things, you know, like shaking it out, hoping a little piece of paper would fall out, you know, like, Hey Terry, it's dad from the afterworld, you know? <laughs> and so I said, uh, after I, I gave up and I said, you know what, that message will come to me when it's meant to come to me. And about a year later, I was sitting here writing my book and feeling very frustrated. And I looked over at the shelf next to me and I said, well, that, what is that blue book? And it was behind like pictures and knickknacks. And I pulled it out. And it was my dad's Bible. He was in the seminary for eight years and it was his new Testament. And it was old beat up, just a solid blue cover. And I said, oh my gosh, he is going to have written in this like crazy. How am I ever going to find the message in the blue book? So I started flipping, flipping, flipping through the pages. And he wrote on one page, 
and I blew it up. Hold on, I'm gonna stand up for a second. Ooh. Oh, I love this. Hold on, I blew it up and then I copied his words and he wrote, my ability to write, what am I doing with it? <gasps> and that was it in my dad's handwriting. And so I have it hanging in my oh, office here. Oh my gosh. And it was the message in the blue book. And I got it a year later and I said, all right, thanks God. That was the answer that I was praying for. So I know what I need to do. So there you go. <laughs> that is that is a beautiful story. That is, and that's, I talk about that in my book when I'm starting my 20s in New York City and, you know, I'm a mess and I'm running in circles and I'm angry and I've got some brain damage from childhood abuse and I'm not thinking straight, but there was something inside of me, it's always, always inside of me that was afraid of the unknown, afraid of God or whatever you know, people believe in something divine, something higher, higher, but I always was reaching and asking questions at the same time. It was this dance. And I was always, when I would ask the question or ask for help, it didn't come in the way that I thought it would come, but it always came and led me to the next healing path and journey. And that was one of the things that people commented on was my ability to trust like literally trust and not realize it when, when I had no reason to. A lot of people had sort of disappointed me and abandoned me early in my life. But yet I somehow trusted something. And then obviously that grew with experience and experience and experience. But it's a muscle sometimes for people. Yes. Yeah, very much. Beautiful. So, so what is your story? Do you mind sharing it with us? I don't mind at all. I mean... There's a lot to my story, but the cliff notes are, I grew up in an all-American family, like I think most people. My parents met in high schools, high school sweethearts. They both come from trauma. They didn't do any therapy or Trump, you know, healing work. They just married, had kids, me and my brother. And they, they carried out that trauma in a lot of dysfunctional ways within the family system. But my mother switched mental states when I was eight and began to come into my room in the morning and attack and choke me every day. Oh, my goodness. And this was a, 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 a repetitive pattern. So it was chronic. And it was an extreme situation because for the most part, um, she was just an average you know, woman, beautiful, and she had problems. And she definitely didn't know how to deal with her problems with her husband and the family and drama but it it was this goes a deep deeper you know this goes really deep when that when she would switch a button and not be her you know not be uh so as a child obviously i suffered from a lot of health issues that were never really diagnosed because i never talked about anything and nobody knew what was going on because nobody was present and i suffered in the sense that eventually I was just so congested all the time and medicated uh, all the time that uh, there was a part of me that was dying. I wouldn't say dead, but dying right. and very robotic. And um, I turned uh, very early on to dancing and show business, partly because she loved to dance and watching my parents go out on the weekends dancing seemed to bring her joy. And so as a young child, I thought, well, if I dance, my mom will be happy. 
and she'll love me. You know what I mean? So I, I did it and there was, uh, it was a good outlet. It was a healthy outlet. And that creative arts definitely plays a role in me today. But there was also a part of me that was very lost. There was a part of me that in my teenage years didn't get to form my own identity or have a voice or opinion about anything. Yeah. So that, those are the cliff notes, you know, of, of, of the, the family system growing up. I had a great brother. Uh, we were best friends. He was my angel. Um, my mom, you know, was very aggressive and angry all the time, verbally, energetically, even though she was a stunning woman. Um, it just, just, she just didn't have the tools and, and it's generational abuse. So my grandmother, you know, it's, it's carried down through the lineage of, and when I started to really study, because I think I was on the, I was searching for the why we always want to know why, right. you know, why, like, why is she bipolar? Is she, I'm trying to diagnose my mom. Why? And as I studied generational abuse, it was extremely fascinating, the research of the, the brain and the clinic, like the wiring we do. And literally a lot of generational abuse, it's the, it's, it literally happens on the same day, the same time, the same. I mean, it, it's just fascinating when you, when we study people like Hitler and Saddam Hussein and all, all those things, we, we, we now understand that if we can rewire this, which is what I do for a living now, we don't have to carry on this generational abuse pattern. And part of that journey, and it was a long journey, and I write about it in my book, The Healers and the, the Rewiring. I had to spend lots of years. Part of that journey um, really made me see, like, it wasn't my mom that was doing the choking. It wasn't really her soul. I believe every soul comes into this earth with light and love. Yes. It was really the wiring that got messed up and was in her environment that taught her and triggered her to start behaving in a way that, that was outside literally of her being. Yeah. And that's really huge for people to understand because you can be a victim all your life and never leave that victimization hood. Or you can see why these, and I've had, that that's the thing that shocks people when they read my books. I've had a lot of hardships. I've had a lot of hard things happen in my life. I've, I've had a lot of challenging situations. And I always say my parents were my greatest teacher. Uh, you can't learn what I know in a book because they were masterful at being lower conscious, not having tools. And they acted this out, you know, and so it gave me a lot of practice, practical practice of how do we heal this? Yeah, powerful and amazing. And it, I mean, again, 500 thoughts popped into my head. <laughs> Which one do you want to pick? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, I mean, and I think but my mom is an alcoholic and she's now four months sober at 83, which is fantastic that she finally was able to do it. but. I remember being in the hospital just, you know, maybe nine months ago in the past year and standing at the foot of the bed and saying to her mom, um, oh, this was in March. I said, how come every March this in April, that time? I said, did something happen to you as a child? Like did something? 
her brother died when she was, you know, he was two years old and she was four. I said, when did Bobby die? Like, I was just trying to grasp with straws mm -hmm. because I knew there has to be a correlation. Mm -hmm. There has to be a correlation. And the other thing was brain plasticity. I love it. I love the fact that you're talking about rewiring because it's true, mm -hmm. changing habitual patterns. Um, that was huge for me on overcoming my symptoms of CPTSD. So Yes, I have a couple. So that's great. So I was a sugar addict. Sugar is a very serious addiction. It's equated to cocaine in the brain. A lot of people don't realize that. My mother was a sugar addict. She would buy a birthday cake and eat it in the morning. And literally, it's, 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 it's been used to numb our pain, our emotional pain. Right. Really, a lot of disease is a connection to a lot of emotional mental pain. So addiction, I really feel, and, and there are some doctors who have left the system and sort of are outside the box also agree that the root of addiction is trauma. And if you don't heal the trauma, the addiction comes back. And so a lot of my clients now, we, we go and, and finding the root is hard because the, the brain, so there were moments in my life I had amnesia. And I talk about that in my book, and then I go and do some healing work, and then the memories come up, and then you have to decide, am I going to allow myself to deal? Because I'm now I'm not eight years old anymore, right. or am I going to close that button again, close that door? And so it's fascinating when you do the rewiring brain work, the memories that come up, not only in the mind but in the body, oh. people's sensations in their body. And so when you're rewiring, and what I mean by rewiring is I am a certified Kundalini Yoga teacher. But in that department, there is psychiatric brain protocols. And a lot of people aren't utilizing them in the United States. I came into them over a decade ago, partly because God was bringing me medical clients, doctors who had massive strokes. Now, they were just coming to me because PubMed, Kundalini Yoga has PubMed research. But as I was doing the basic meditations, I was like, they need something else. And so I'm a researcher. I, I just, I find answers, you know? <laughs> and so I started to see this whole library that we're not really taught in the mainstream training. And I started to study that. And I started to say, well, they had a massive stroke and it's affecting the cerebellum. So if I do a brain protocol, even if they don't have OCD, which a lot of them had certain mental, emotional issues, a lot of anger with stroke, which was really interesting, and not being able to process anger. So then I would use that brain protocol, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the mechanisms of using their hand, and it, it would work. Um, and so that's where I fell into starting to study the brain protocols and using them for all types of things. Now, I'm intuitive, and I work with I call the Holy Spirit, and some people believe in that, and some people don't, and that's cool. I'm a fan. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I work with the Holy Spirit, so I, it becomes a little customization. But the brain protocols I want to share, the, the PTSD, which is phenomenal, the OCD, which is phenomenal. Um, we have childhood trauma, psychic brain protocol, and we have an addiction brain protocol. Those are the four I work with. There are a ton more. But those are the four that I specialize in. They all have PubMed research. They have enough science to be covered by insurance, but we're in this paradigm shift. We're, we're, you know what I mean? But they, they're, they're science, you know? And, and yet they're very fascinating because the rewiring is 
different finger placements, different mouth placements, breath patterns, vowel sounds. We call it chanting Sanskrit, which is universal vowel sounds that sometimes the education of that gets mixed up. Like, are we chanting some God or, you know, and it's like, actually, no, it's science, neurological. You have 84 meridians in your tongue. Your tongue is your subconscious brain. So when you're moving it in different formulas, you're working on an area of the brain and rewiring. So literally when you're working with a client, they may be saying um, like sat nam, sat means truth and nam is your identity. They may be saying that almost all of a sudden they can't say it because they're rewiring. It's, it's, and they're like, whoa. Now like it's cool, right? It's really cool like that you can do that. Um, so that's one of the, the sciences. And then the second uh, came to me about six years ago. Um, a yoga student came to me and she gave me some water in a glass, like a jug. And I used to drink uh, bottled water. I used to drink, uh, I actually didn't drink a lot of liquids, to be honest with you. I remember taking a nutrition class and the nutrition was like, where's your liquids? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm dehydrated. like I'm apparently really acidic and dehydrated, which I was, I was in fight flight mode at the time. So she gave me this just water. And for some reason I jugged it. Like it, it didn't sit my belly. And I was like, Oh, that was good. And she came back next week, brought me some. And I was like, what is this water? And she mentioned a Japanese medical device, cancer and water. And I was like, I need to pay attention to that. I was like, I want to, I want to learn. So I started researching and drinking this water and long story short, I've, uh, I've gotten a lot of doctors in the United States, uh, educated and utilizing, um, what Japan's hospitals have been using for 44 years, which is these medical devices with seven types of waters and pH that do all types of healing. That's so cool. See, yeah. and I, I find this kind of stuff because I'm a researcher as well. I, I did EMDR therapy for four years and some, and we did some brain spotting as well. And, you know, it's so when you talk about the memories mm-hmm. um, coming up and the body memories, but then I've looked at Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing and I've looked at yeah. EFT tapping and I love all of the stuff because again, and, and this is just fascinating to me and mm-hmm. my mind wants to learn more. Yeah, of course. And, and what I've done, uh, so your, your brain is mostly water to begin with. It's really interesting when they have healing water and this water is healing for 24 hours. That's why Japan never bottled it. They made smaller devices after 20 years of it being in hospitalizations. Um, and it's really interesting to watch somebody with a massive stroke and tremors on the right side of their body, drink the water for six weeks and not have any of that. Like that, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm a very trial-based person. Like I, I, you know, and I'm an example of it because I had enormous amount of trauma. Um, So that, that was fascinating to me um, to really just see the results. But with my clients recently, you know, I keep notes. I ask them, what are all the things you've done? And, and I don't want to disregard that science, but I want to know. And it's usually all the same things. And so that's how I feel very confident about the brain protocols and the water being a foundation, a foundation for new mental health. And when I think of addiction, when they go to these rehab centers, what are they drinking? What is the most water tap water in the United States has a ton of chemicals in it. That's just a fact. So are you really detoxing them? 
or are you just giving them another, you know what I mean? So that chemicalization, I don't think we've taken seriously enough. I mean, I was a big pioneer in Pittsburgh for the last six years about that because our, our tap water, we have no regulations and we have a cancer epidemic growing. And everybody's looking at me like, oh, you know. No, yeah, but it's just water's just water. And now this year, literally in the paper, they're saying our water has cancer-causing properties. And I'm like, I, I, I've been telling, I've been trying to tell you all. I, I'm like, just, just please read. I mean, we are mostly water, you know, you know. And people go, well, your skin's so clear, and you look healthier, you look younger. I'm like, uh, because I'm actually doing something. <laughs> you know, so that gets a little frustrating when you're a pioneer. Because yes. you're just like, come on, you know, read the science, experiment. That's all I'm asking you to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really passionate, as you could probably tell, because my clients, you know, within three to six months, and it's a lot of, I'm very, uh, I require them to do the work, homework. It's a team effort. So yeah. they have to do 45 minutes to an hour, five days a week of, of this these programs, and we add on. But a lot of them, you know, they've hit rock bottom or they're just tired of what you just said, things not getting completely cleared. And at the end, you know, if you go to healingpain.solutions, which is a new website I have up, some of the testimonies, I mean, people are like, I am completely different now. And it hasn't come back. <laughs> it's completely different, you know what I mean? And it hasn't come back. And if it does come back, if I have some trauma of people who are in car accidents, they know exactly what to do to pull the trauma out because I teach people how to be their own healer. So you have the toolkit for the rest of your life and you have it for your family so that when your kids, you know, uh, so simple, something as simple as a car accident, somebody hits you behind in the back fender, your body goes into a reaction, even if it's a small one. Right. And if you don't release that in your tissues, and there's technique to do that simply, it's a Peter Levine, if you've heard of Peter yes. Levine, then you store it. And then that storing blocks meridians and pathways, and then all of a sudden you wonder why you're having anxiety attacks a year later. Right. And so for me, when people come on board, I'm always asking the strangest questions about their past because I'm a detective. I want to know what triggered or what got them to here to get them out of it. You know what I mean? It's like a puzzle. Yes. And everybody's different because everybody obviously has different personalities, different astrology charts, different numerology numbers. Um, so in Kundalini yoga, when somebody comes in and I get their birthday, I can do all their Kundalini, you know, numerology. And, and if people believe that great, if they don't, it just helps me have more information to go, Oh, this is why this person has trouble meditating. They have this in their chart and they, that's what they got. Or this person needs breath work extensively. That The breath work is going to help them move forward. Yeah. Well, again, I, it's fascinating to me. And I, I, I think we, as a society, humanity, we're starting to get it. We're starting to understand the energy part of it, uh, mm. which is a lot of what you're talking about. Um, yeah. And well, the stored negative energy, I had panic attacks, severe panic attacks for 25 years oh. and finally realized it was those ACEs, those adverse childhood experiences, those traumatic events in my childhood, those first 22 years of life that were stored away. And I, I didn't 
they couldn't get out. I hadn't processed that trauma. I hadn't released it like you talked about. And um, it released itself through panic attacks. And so, yeah, the healing work is just amazing to be able to allow people to process it and rewire. Yeah. Very cool. It is cool. I, and we have a lot of new uh, neurological science coming out, I think, to support that this new movement. And I think our medical system will eventually be trained differently, more trauma-informed. Yeah. And I, I really feel it's the young generation we want to get on track so that we can just stop the generational, the patterns. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so how do people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me usually uh, if they go on one of my websites. So I have heatherfairy.com and then I have healingpain.solutions. That website I created in August um, out of a need that if people couldn't really afford to do a package 101, that there's online programs. So I, I use the three programs that I've used the most when people first come to me. I thought, okay, if people come to me, what do I do? The first eight weeks, I usually do the same thing for everybody. Right. So if they do these programs, they're going to, you know, implement. And so one of them is just a really simple 15-minute program with three exercises. Um, one is a meditation that went to Congress to, uh, to prove it reverses memory loss. But memory loss, obviously, also working on the frontal cortex of the brain is so important for mental fog. Fogness. So it was like, I just picked like really important ones. So that one, and then the OCD brain protocol is, is the uh, anxiety program. And then the PTSD is the resilience program. And those two I've done personally and just can't say enough about. Right. <laughs> so people can either go on the site and email me at heatherfairyofficial at gmail.com or that's usually the best way people start the conversation awesome and fairy is f-e-r-r-i it is yes <laughs> for, the, for, us, for the audio listeners <laughs> right right not yeah not the other one fairy <laughs> flying around <laughs> which on your book cover i what is are those angels what is they that? are angels they are yeah. angels. okay yeah. yeah and my niece did the book cover actually oh. and uh yeah, and, and, you know, I've had a lot of angels in my life. It's a symbolic thing. And then I, I it's kind of my nickname now. People a lot of times call me angels. So. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I, I'm surrounded by them. I have angel paintings. If you could mm -hmm. see the rest of it, I have angel knickknacks all over. And, yeah, I, I love it. And I think they're very present in my life as well. And um, I, walked, I walked in somewhere once, and a medium was there, and uh, he said, I have never seen anyone walk in surrounded by so many angels. And it made me feel so good because at that time I was feeling very unsafe. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it just, I thought, oh, that's kind of a relief. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what I try to tell people in the beginning, because I was a skeptic of everything. I think that's also what makes me relatable to people when they read my book is, is I, I came from hard roots, you know, so I was a skeptic. And I remember my teacher telling me that, you know, you, you have to talk to your angels and ask for help. And if you don't, they're just kind of hanging out, sitting there waiting for you to, to ask. And asking was a foreign concept to me, you know, from all the abuse I adored psychologically, I, the concept of asking, especially something that I can't see for assistance or guidance or help. So being creative, I, I kind of looked at it as a, as a 
acting game. It was almost like, oh, we'll see, you know, and I would do it. And then like just little signs would come up and I'd be like, really? You know, like, and so I, I share to people who are listening out there, if you've never done it, you know, explore it. You yeah. know, there's no wrong way of talking to them and nobody has to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, it's a private thing, but you might be surprised at even how much better you feel inside. Yeah. And because I as human beings, we, 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 of course we want to help each other, but we're all imperfect. We all have troubles and problems, but that side, that realm is magical and mystical. And, you know, it took me a long time to believe in miracles. I had a miracle healing. It's in the book. I've, I've given miracle healings to people through the channel. And once you start opening that door, it, life becomes more of an adventure. Yes, I agree. And once you open that door, oh, it's just, again, it's beautiful. And, um, just again, miracles happen, and yeah, I I, I believe as well. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask you one of my favorite questions: If you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, to help you with your continued journey, who would it be? I don't even have to hesitate. It would be Oprah. I talk about Oprah's show a little bit in my book. Um, over 20 years ago when I was in New York City, 24, I was like 24 at the time, her show dealt with childhood abuse. Oh. She had a couple authors on that I remember to this day. Uh, David Peltzer, A Child Called It was one of them. Yes. Had, and it was, I don't know if I would have even known I was abused because I was that blocked. You grow up in an environment, you think that that's just normal. Right. You hide shame. So watching that show was my wake up call. And then since then, you know, uh, knowing who she is at this moment, I really want her to know these two sciences and, and the, I want her to speak to my clients and, and try to help facilitate uh, because I know that she's on a path. She's on a mission with not only childhood abuse, but sexual abuse is quite complicated to rewire. Yeah. So that, that would, that, and somebody, you know, it's funny, two months ago, somebody asked me that question, but they asked three people and I couldn't name anyone else. It was just, it was just her. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and yes, I love what she's doing. I, she did an interview in 2018 with uh, Dr. Bruce Perry on 60 minutes about, you know, adverse childhood experience. Right. And since then, right. it just exploded onto the mental health scene and amazing how many people are just, coming forward, acknowledging and understanding the impact of these experiences on their life that they thought, like you said, I remember my sister and I talking about, we just thought that was normal mm -hmm. to be in this kind of a family environment. Mm -hmm. And then once we understood the impact that that had on us, it shifted everything. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other things that anything you want to touch on? Oh, one of my questions is um, any myths or facts that you would like to clarify for listeners? Mm, I guess the only myth is that with the Kundalini yoga, that it's not a religion, that there's a lot of PubMed science. It's being utilized in the hospitals outside of the United States. San Diego utilize kundalini yoga ocd brain protocol with cancer patients which i think is fascinating 
Um, because once again, there's a psychology behind disease, a rewiring behind disease that needs to happen. So I think that would be the first thing to stay open-minded, that it's important for you to ask your teacher, what am I chanting? What does this mean? And why am I doing it? But to listen to the answer, to, to, to do your due diligence and really understand that. I would say that that's one myth. Um, yeah. Okay. How do you spell that? K-U-N-D-A-L-I-N-I -I yoga. All right. And there's, it's the highest form of yoga. So there's over five, well, there's over a couple thousand yoga sets. So if you're a diabetic, there's a set for that. If you have liver issues, there's a set for that. So it's already very sciencey medical based, but it requires breath patterns, postures, chanting. It's a mixture of all kinds of things happening at once. Um, and I like to I like to to inform this, and especially in the United States, um, we have 22 forms of yoga, but we have two over 200 yogas in the United States. So what you're studying may not actually be yoga. Uh, and that's important as far as medical science taking yoga seriously. We want the yogas that actually are yogas and have science and structure to, to, to be valued, you know? And so a lot of times people will go to a class and it's called a yoga class at a gym and, and I'm not trying to, to knock it, but, and then they, they leave because they're like, Oh, that's not for me or I can't do that. But that wasn't even a yoga class. If you're, if you're not studying at least 10 to 15 minutes of breath work, you're probably not studying yoga. So pranayama breath work is what changes our oxygen levels. So you need a certain amount of oxygen to the brain. Most people in the United States are only getting about 6% oxygen to the brain. You need about 20 to actually feel good. So even just like simple breathing exercises, which I think last year was the first year that they started to incorporate within the nurse education. Uh, but I have a lot of medical people that have come to me in the last decade, and I love them. I have doctors on my team. I have doctors as private clients, psychiatrists. I love them. But their education is limited, and they know that right now. Right. Their hands are tied right now. They do want, it's not that they don't want to help people. It's that the system has kind of tied their hands. And, um, but they don't know much about breath work breathing and so they don't breathe very well which is fascinating to me because when you breathe really well if you do 15 to 20 minutes of breath a day asthma allergies minor depression can really be relieved and that's something human like it's free once you learn it you know it's like it's given to you so yeah just to really wherever whatever state you're in uh country to look up um, I'm biased. I'm really a big fan of Kundalini Yoga. I'd studied Hatha. It's a great, Vinasa's great. They're great techniques. But if you want something more medical based, that's the one you're going to want to look into. Wonderful. I, again, I don't know enough about it. And what popped into my head was I watched a Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer video on YouTube for about a year. And it was about manifestation and it was about, um, you know, opening, aligning chakras. And, and it was making the sound of awe. And um, I would walk around the rest of the day and I remember telling <laughs> a therapist friend of mine, I feel like my forehead is glowing, like I'm radiating something. She was like, oh, that's your third eye. And I was like, I, you know, again, I was skeptical and like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. But I felt so 
aligned and open and oh my gosh, I love, I have to get back and go do that again because I just found it. Yeah, that is such a great point because one of the things I am masterful and love is the fifth chakra, the seat of the soul, the voice. And most people are blocked here, which affects all the other chakras. So I teach them not only these chants, but I teach them the right technique to actually stimulate the thyroid, the thymus, the pituitary and pineal. And a lot of people have you know, different hangups about that idea of using their voice. They have a lot of grinding the teeth, tension here. But in the end, their voice changes the vibration so they can manifest something like that. Their relationships get better. They're not holding the baggage. So partly the way you talk, that's why in Yogi Bunjit, my master's, he wasn't a big fan of talking the story because you can talk it in the brain, holding it in. He was about rewiring the story. So to me, that's really fascinating. And when I'm working with clients, sometimes if there are talkers and they want to talk all the time, I'll have them record the session. I'll be like, listen to yourself talking. Have you ever listened to yourself talking? And they start to notice, wow, I talk really, you know, this way or that way. And my mom says that. And I can't believe I just said that to you, you know, and you start to understand your verbiage so that you can rewire it so vocal therapy is huge for a lot of people they don't they're afraid of it because nobody's teaching it and but yet when they start to chant and sing in a sense you know and that singing can go into what you're doing at church too it's a healing tool there's science your voice affects red blood cells so if you can use your voice too properly, it's healing you. See, God gave us everything that we're capable of doing to keep this all in balance. Yeah. Oh, I love it all. <laughs> oh, cool. Amazing, fascinating, beautiful. I'll give you a bunch of adjectives for it. So. <laughs> well, it's so nice. Thank you for being open to listening to my, you know, my world. And Yes. Well, again, I, I, I believe in so much of it, and I just think what you're doing is amazing, and I thank you for it. Um, yeah. It's and I thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, being a medium. Thank you. Well, is there anything more that you wanted to touch on that we didn't have an opportunity to, to discuss? No. Okay. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Well, again, thank you for joining me today and uh, sharing your passions and for shining the light of hope and radiating your beautiful energy. Thank you so much. And I hope everybody out there who's listening has a blessed day. Oh, thank you. Everyone, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yes.